0: Our dog, Winnie, was a mistake. A big, fluffy, cuddly mistake. (laughs) In early 2019, before we could use the pandemic as an excuse to make a bad pet decision, I got the urge to give our sweet older dog, Addie, a friend. My husband, Christopher, was skeptical about the idea, but as per usual, my persistence, constant barrage of cute dog picks, and the urging of our two boys, Knox and Cole, eventually won him right over. He became so invested that he took it upon himself to look for a young dog with whom he felt a connection. One afternoon, he decided that we just had to go get a one-year-old Great Pyrenees mix that he had found online. She was named, at the time, Meringue. Meringue, it turns out, had been returned to the Gallatin Dog Rescue on two previous occasions by two would-be owners. This sad fact did not dissuade Christopher. Meringue was coming home with us. We immediately renamed her Winnie in the car. She proved to be a sweet, gentle, snuggly dog who is great with kids. She also proved to have off-the-charts anxiety. Loud noises, other people, other dogs, us leaving her by herself, all of these left her in a pure state of angst and fear. And she also liked to eat anything she could get her mouth on. A set of new curtains came down first, then two wooden rocking chairs, antique furniture, toys, and countless books. Our house was each day being destroyed more and more. Then, we had our third son. I'd be lying if I didn't say that we've thought about finding a better home for her on countless occasions. But after three years of working with her on certain skills, sometimes more successfully than others, and most importantly, after spending time living with her, She has become an indispensable part of our life, a part of our family. Living with another, abiding with them can be transformative. There is something that sharing the same space, the same life does to a relationship. It's a kind of cement It ties people together into the rhythm of existence in a way that so few other things can do. We see it everywhere from the monastic orders to the college dormitory, to the life of the nuclear family itself. And in a very small way, our family saw it with this difficult, wonderful animal who through patience, A lot of patience and time is here to stay. The gospel of John, where today's reading is drawn, situates Jesus's mission in this theme of living into a community. And today we find John the Baptist and his two disciples, one of whom is Andrew, brother of Simon Peter, encountering Jesus on the road. When they hear John the Baptist proclaim Jesus to be the Lamb of God, they begin to follow. Christ then turns around and asks, what are you looking for? It's not an unreasonable question. We know that Jesus was sought by all types of people. Some sought him for food, such as the feeding of the 5000s in Galilee. Some sought him to be healed. Some are seeking him out to question him and ultimately kill him, such as the religious authorities who would take offense at his breaking bread on the sabbath but as we find out these two disciples of john are looking for something entirely different they answer christ's question by calling him rabbi teacher and asking where are you staying now it's important to understand That where are you staying in this context doesn't mean that they are asking him whether he is holed up at the Holiday Inn. The word staying here is in the original Greek, menis. It is also translated as remain, endure, or abide. It appears in this gospel a few lines earlier when John describes the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and remaining, translated by the same word, on Jesus. In John 15, Jesus promises that he will abide in those who abide in him. And the same word is used. It implies a sense of permanence that doesn't come across in the English translation of their question about where Christ is staying. This isn't a throwaway question. It's critical. They want to know where the permanent, eternal dwelling place of the Lamb of God is located. And in response, Jesus asks them to follow, come and see. This first conversation between Jesus and these two disciples distills so perfectly the relationship between God and his people. Up to this point, they had heard John the Baptist testifying to the light, a man who had baptized with the Holy Spirit. These disciples aren't looking for Jesus for their own sake. Their search for him then is a search to live into an authentic experience situated in the person of Christ, A redemptive vision of the new heaven and the new earth centered not in the vision of the warrior Messiah, but in the Lamb of God. And once they witness it, once they abide in it, they can't help but spread that redemptive love. After one day of being in Jesus's presence, Andrew just has to go and find and tell his brother Simon about what he has seen, about what he has experienced. We seek, we witness, and then we are called to follow. I don't think that it's a coincidence that John pairs the idea of the Lamb of God with Christ's identity as rabbi or teacher. Of course, Jesus teaches and reveals truths about God and God's kingdom, but what drives his mission, its engine is relationship. It's seeking and following and living with the presence of Christ. And by being with him, abiding with him, watching how he lives, we then learn how we should live. By taking up our cross and being with Jesus as he makes and completes his ultimate journey, We learn through experience that we are more than our own self-interest. We are built for things beyond mere survival. We are created in God's image. We are God's beloved children, and we are wired to seek out truth and the love of God. A love that finds embodiment in the person of Christ. Our hearts, said Augustine, are restless until they find rest in you. This truth that we are seekers after something greater than ourselves should shape our individual worldview. This life is not zero sum where there are winners and losers and where the purpose of it is to strive to get as much as you can, as fast as you can. Our salvation comes from seeing, following and living into the extravagant openness that Jesus exhibited throughout his ministry. Our salvation comes from being centered in Christ's generosity, a generosity that promises the world. The home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. And mourning, crying, and pain will be no more. Bonhoeffer once wrote that God has prepared for himself one great song of praise throughout eternity. And those who enter the community of God join in this song. Christ promises us abundance, even in the face of death on a cross. And all we have to do is join in. Come and see the eternal dwelling place of the Lamb of God is just there. Come and see. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in his essay, The Christian Pertinence of Eschatological Hope. When we see relationships controlled everywhere by the principles, which Jesus illustrated in his life, trust, love, mercy, and altruism, then we shall know that the kingdom of God is here. To say what this society will be like in exact detail is quite hard for us to picture, for it runs so counter to the practices of our present life. But we can rest assured that it will be a society governed, by the law of love come and see then go and share the light so that all may know the law of love